This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, Baby Nation. Just breaking in really quickly at the top of the episode to offer a disclaimer. You're about to hear us talk about our hot new equipment for about 10 minutes and how crisp and clean our audio is. And you will notice that Jack's audio is not crisp or clean or hot. Some might say, well, this is an audio expert term. So if you don't follow, don't worry about it. But it sounds like shit. It sounds like shit, and it's going to sound like shit this episode and next episode because we didn't notice (laughs) until it was too late. So we recorded two episodes with Jack using the wrong mic input. It sounds a little rough, but it's all there. It's all listenable. It's still good, clean, babysitting, club, club, fun. So bear with us for the next two episodes. We promise you that 110 sounds a lot better. We hope. We hope. (laughs) (laughs) N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. Brave new world out here. Brave new world. We're both on upgraded rigs. Oh, sounds good. We're sounds both good. on expensive new upgraded rigs. Thank you, Squarespace and Tripping.com and RX Bar and everyone else. And our loyal listeners. And our loyal listeners, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanner, how's it going? We did we did one book twice, and now we're going to do the next book once. Um, hopefully. Yeah, who knows? Hopefully we're, that's the case. We both, we both have a brand new recording set up, so who can say? Let's see. What do we want to talk about? Uh, this good, book. Good book we read? Um, it was a great book we read. Fantastic. A return to form. Masterful. We're still in the dark universe, and there's still a lot of sinister elements that I definitely want to talk about, but yeah, yeah good. Very, very good. And you know what? Guess who I liked a lot in this book? Ed McGill. No, Ed McGill was a real dingleberry, dingleberry. this week, to use a technical term. You know who I liked a lot? Maureen. Was... No, well, Maureen was fine. I did like Maureen. She was good. We liked Abby. Maureen. She's trying to make it work. Abby was great. Christy. Uh, sure. Christy was great in this book. She led some cheers. Rick Chow. <laughs> what a talent. No, Tanner, I'm talking about Anastasia. Lindsay DeWitt. Okay. We can keep naming characters, but inevitably we're going to have to get to this. And I think the reason that you are pulling back from this is because you probably felt the same way. Anastasia McGill was a ton of fun this week. Ooh, with one exception. Anastasia McGill, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Stacy, mm-hmm. was fine. She was fine this week. She was not her normal, self-obsessed... New York loving, global warming denying. Yeah. Though I just realized something that, like, we got a peek into how she would have been if anything had gone even slightly wrong this week. Um, At some point in this novel, she invites all her friends to Rosebuds, which is their hangout, to celebrate one of her mathlete victories. We'll get into that, baby. We'll get into that, yeah. Uh, and, then she, math late now. and then she doesn't show because her dad keeps her, uh, she's kind of a people pleaser uh, and her dad wants to take her out for dinner and she just doesn't show. And she's worried that everyone's mad at her. Right. And it turns out they're not. But in the course of her being worried that they're mad at her, she quits the babysitter's club again. And they're she all threat- like, yeah, well, she says, I think I don't have the quote, but she's like, she's like, oh, you guys are all mad at me. Well, guess what? I I don't think you're being very understanding. And in that case, I quit the BSC. And Chrissy's right. like, we're 
we're not mad at you, Stacy. No one's mad at you, Stacy. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but and she breaks down into tears. Yeah. She's an emotional wreck this week, but it's for good reason. Yeah. She's a mathlete. She's a mathlete. It's a high pressure life. Yeah. Whew. You know, I you could get out there on that, on that gridiron every week. Week in, week out. Any given Sunday. Dividing fractions. Doing fun image based puzzles. Mr. Jones gets in a train going at 300 miles per hour towards Mrs. Jones, who's also on the same track going 200 miles Mr. per hour. Mr. Jones! Oh, come and me. on. Come on. You kind of set me up for that one, though, huh? But I was doing a thing, and then you, you derailed it. Funny. Great. I like that we're talking about the book this early. Uh, we're talking about the book. Yeah. Should we introduce the show or just keep talking about the book? Oh, People man. know by now what we do, what we're here for. I My do name have... Tana Green Ring. Your name is Jack Shepard. I have one of their um, problems I wrote down. Who? The we can analyze it. No, um, the counting... Mathletes <laughs> of SMS. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. At a mathlete, here's the problem, Baby Nation. It's for you. It's a real uh, it's a real brain teaser. It's a real yep. uh, head scratcher. We'll give at, you five seconds to answer once we're done. At a mathlete's meet, Mark said, "This is the problem. It's it's yep. kind of self referential." At a mathlete's meet, Mark said to Rebecca, "I have three siblings." The product of their ages is 36. The sum of their ages is the same as my age. How old are they? Rebecca thought about that for a while, then said to Mark, Yo. Yo. You didn't give it's me... It's 1997. Yo, it's 97. <laughs> Who's your favorite turtle? This is what we say now. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Uh, Want to trade some pogs? in 97, Jack. Oh, come on. Let's see. 97, I was 13. What was I doing when I was 13? Oh, we've discussed this. What? Cranking that Just hog? blasting yeah. that dong. Okay. Well, all of that is extraneous, but this next thing is not. Yo, you didn't give me enough information to solve the problem. Mark apologized and said, the oldest one likes rainforest crunch ice cream. Five seconds, Baby Nation. Counting down. Five, four, three, two, two one. One. And now you know what it's like to be a mathlete out there on the gridiron. It's difficult. It's that was actually easy. one of the harder math problems. Yeah, I didn't quite get it. I know that Mark and Rebecca are both biblical characters. Okay. Oh, someone paused their video. Oh, did I? How? Someone thought it would be a good idea to pause his video. He's uh, back. So Mark is an apostle, right? Mark is my dad. Okay. Mark Ringerud. That's where yeah. the, the ring and green ring comes from, Baby Nation. So is it my dad? I don't think so. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So Mark is, we know that there's the Apostle Mark. Uh, and then Rebecca is the wife of Isaac. From the, the um, what are the old books called? Old Testament. No. Torah. The Torah. From yeah. the Torah. Yeah. I don't know. The product of their ages is 36. I don't know. I didn't figure it out. I didn't get it. It was a pretty complex math problem where you had to figure out divisible numbers and then they figured out that mark was 13 but there was two scenarios in which mark could be 13 and but one of the scenarios had his two younger siblings being twins so that you think they wanted the us they wanted us ice to look cream up thing comes into play they wanted us to look up mark 13 mark 13 wait do you have the passage open no i haven't looked at it mark 13 people give us give a shit for for doing king james but they can 
go fuck themselves. What else are you supposed to do? I New International? Know. I don't Get know. Get fucked, baby nation. New International. <laughs> we got a lot of shit in the Facebook group for, for using King James, but... So um, here's the here's the final solution. Okay. 2 plus 2 plus 9 equals 13. Okay. So Mark's siblings are 2, 2, and 9. Right. And Mark is 13. Right. And Jesus, well, let's read it from Mark 13. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering, and this is, this is two. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Okay, well, that's relevant because we know Stacy's from New York. Yeah, I was thinking New York, too. She's New York. This is maybe a, a vision of mm-hmm. an apocalyptic future. Can you keep reading? Can we get to verse 9? Sure. You want me to read it all the way to 9 or skip to 9? I think so. Okay. Is it is it a lot between 2 and 9? No, I can get there. Um, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? So it is a vision. When shall yes. these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. It's about the Antichrist, I think. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. And this is verse 9. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Not a super posy passage yeah well we're in the dark timeline now and that was some revelation shit but yeah it was happening in mark yeah it was it f- felt very apocalyptic so i think this is just you know this is i guess ann and pete poking their little heads in saying uh you solved my math problem and guess what the end is coming we kind of knew the that end is coming yeah, yeah. Uh, in the dark timeline now the end is coming prepare yourselves you will be beaten in the synagogues apparently yeah, yeah. uh it's not looking good name. Baby Nation, if you're new to this podcast, you may not know who we are. I'd like to rectify that. And also welcome you. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast wherein I, Jack Shepard. And wherein I am Tanner Greenring. (laughs) Zagged. Uh, Saw you zig and I zagged. A podcast with me, Jack Shepard. And a podcast where I'm Tanner Greenring. And a podcast wherein we both talk about the classic novels of... Oh, wait, we got a new epithet. I need to get that in there. Oh, what was it? Um, the Hand That Shakes. The Hand That Shakes. The classic novels of The Hand That Shakes. You may know her by her more familiar name and title, Princess of the Prince of Town, St. Annabel Matthews Martin, Stormborn, Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats, first of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind, but most importantly, The Hand That Shakes. This week we read a little book, in case you haven't guessed yet, called Stacy the Math Whiz. Whiz. The Mathlete. The Mathlete this week. Um, Would have been a better title. Yeah. We already know Stacy's a math whiz. Yeah. What is... 
new and different about her this week is that she is a math elite. Mm. I didn't quite. She's a portmanteau, baby nation, mm-hmm. of the words math mm-hmm. and athlete. Mm-hmm. From the Greek athlon, meaning prize. And the Greek math, meaning learning. Learning. Mm-hmm. So, learning prize. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Fun, fun. I like that we're talking about the origins of the word. <laughs> what a great fucking book. Very good book. A yeah. lot of fun. Even though we're in the darkest timeline, Pete and Anne can still get out there and have some fun. Yeah. They it, left it all out on the field this week. Uh, we had Stacy not being obnoxious. We had GCBSF. Yeah. We had Rick Chow being a total baller. Oh, uh, We had what I would describe, Tanner, as, and I feel like only Pete tends to pull these out sometimes when he's feeling uh, real generous. I could only describe as a symphonic structure of this novel, Ooh. wherein the, there is an A, a B, and a C plot all kind of weaving in and out um, right. the, with the harmonic lines of each plot complementing each other. It's like the orchestra warming up at the beginning of a symphony, mm-hmm. and you they're doing that thing where they all play the same note to just kind of get in tune. Mm-hmm. And you can hear just like little things happening here and there, like the cellos are like really bringing a lot of bass, but you hear those like piccolos and flutes kind of doing their little like <laughs> you know yeah that's what this is like that's what this entire book was like that's beautiful you've got a light motif for for each of the different plots they each harmonize with one another you've got stacy's ascendancy now she's she's the queen of math uh, and that contrasts beautifully with uh, her dad ed mcgill's fall from grace which happens this week uh, he loses his job uh, and each of those, in turn, are counterpointed beautifully by Cl- Claudia's grace and humility um, in her new fallen state as a, a seventh grader uh, who's kind of just trying to rise she, up. She claws her way back up. Yeah. She's like Batman in the pit. A lot like Batman in the pit after... With his broken back. Bane breaks his back. She's just like, she's down there, she's dejected. Yeah. She's, she thinks she's going to die in this pit. Yeah. But then she gets a, a foothold in the in the form of Lindsay DeWitt. In the form of Lindsay DeWitt. Yeah. Lindsay DeWitt Barrett. Mm-hmm. Who needs a math tutor? Uh, it had been Stacy, but Stacy's uh, Stacy's needed for higher math callings. And also Stacy's a bad tutor. Very bad. It's kind of a sub a sub subplot. And Claudia's a good tutor. Claudia reaches into her own insecurities and difficulties her own pit and uses that and pulls out her own batman much like the batman she uses yeah. her fears to be stronger she embraces her fear of academic failure and cloaks herself in it and that is what she uses to teach Lindsay dewitt how to do math herself beautiful very beautiful should we describe this note okay okay you do it okay cool this week I- you do it I'm going to need your help. I, I'm, I'm here to support you. I'm Great. here for moral and creative support. That has actually never been the case before during these descriptions, so I'm excited uh, excited to hear how that pans out. Yeah, me too. What are your plans? Um, may I give you some uh, technical gonna, advice on how to do it? Probably check out the, the lyrics to Along December by Counting Crows, because I was just singing it, and your, I don't know brain. a lot of the lyrics, mm-hmm. but I would like to know more of them. Okay. 
It's sorry, I wasn't December. singing. I wasn't singing along December. I was singing no. Mr. Jones. You were singing Mr. Jones, and I can give you all of those. Probably going right to check out the might. lyrics to to Counting Crows, Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones and me tell each other fairy tales, and we look at the beautiful woman. Um, he's laughing at you. I don't think so. He's laughing at me. Got myself a gray guitar. All la, beautiful. La 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 la. Well, I was trying to help you. Uh, oh, uh-huh. My man, I thought that. You said that you were going to be supportive. Of my I was down at the New Amsterdam. No, 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 no. don't fucking dare. Staring at no, this no, no. yellow-haired girl, Mr. Jones tracks up Simple a conversation, conversation with the black-haired flamenco, flamenco dancer. I know the song. It's very, it's like the siren song of that particular piece of music is very difficult to resist. But I'm going to. Tanner, I'm going to describe this novel right now. I would like for you to pay it, at least fucking do me the service of pretending like you're paying attention. Stare at the beautiful women. She's looking at you. Oh no, no, she's looking at me. Do you want Tanner. to sing with me? I no, I don't. Smiling in the bright no. lights. No. You want to do your thing. I want to do my thing. I'm fine you're, with that. I'm fine with that. I would love you to do it. I'm here for you. And I'm here for moral and creative support. Okay. Tell me what you need me to do. I'm here. Put me in, coach. Okay. Here's 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 what I need you to do. Listen while I talk. Don't do anything else like you are right now. Nope. What? Don't do another thing. Listen to me while I'm talking. Yeah, That's, man. Here I am. Listen. Put me in, coach. And engage. No, I'm not putting you in. I'm putting me in. This is about me. When should I start now? 60 seconds? No. Okay. Let's let's tone it down a notch. I realize that I've asked too much of you. Here's what I ask now. Be quiet while I talk. Okay, can I read the lyrics to Mr. Jones? Sure. But quietly. Okay? Baby Nation, I'm sorry about this, but I'm not sorry about what you are about to experience, which is me describing this novel. Baby Nation, I'm going to describe this novel right now. Stacy and the math whiz. When Stacy McGill looks at the world, she sees numbers. To Stacy, the flowers in her garden are not flowers, but intricate Fibonacci sequences that underlie the number and arrangement of their petals and seed heads. To Stacy, the clouds in the sky are not clouds, but fractals, infinitely complex geometric structures that can nonetheless be quantified and explained if you have the right mind for it. But when Stacy turns her beautiful mind to anything that can't be reduced to numbers, like her fractured relationship with her father, or the bottomless hurt that her mother is feeling after her divorce, it is as if she's seeing through a glass, darkly. And as her promising career as a brilliant mathematician comes head to head with the rapid disintegration of her family life, Stacy is forced to try and see the world in a new way, to let the numbers fall as they may, and listen to her heart instead. Stacy, the math wins. Love to hit. Thanks, Anna. I appreciate it. All right, I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I happen to have here. During those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe this novel. Math whiz is kind of funny. It's like B. Oh, I disagree. I was going to say whiz, 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 whiz. Uh, you ready to describe this book? 
Fine. I could take, I could take, how about turn up the enthusiasm just like one notch on the dial? Fine. No. <laughs> Try a different word. What about hooray? Yes. Yes. Okay. Are you ready to describe this novel? Yes. All right. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I happen to have, that I ha- happen to have, that I happen to have standing here. And during those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe this novel. Are you ready? Yes. All right. That I happen to have here. <laughs> you just couldn't let that one go, huh? It's, is it your edit? I don't know. But if it is, I'm definitely going to keep all your flubs in. Great. Yeah. I was like, I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's your edit. So I don't know why I'm bothering fixing this all nice because you're just going to keep all my fucking. <laughs> yeah, it's your edit. Definition. Yeah. I can just be free and easy now. I don't need to. I don't need to worry. What you've just experienced is us taking off our pants and underwear <laughs> and exposing our inner machinations. Yeah. of the podcast. Machination. I edit odd. Normally, episodes. that kind of stuff would get uh, cut, but yeah. if I can, if I can take an opportunity to embarrass Jack publicly. <laughs> it's a clock. It's big. It's bad. I'm putting some time on it. You're describing the book. We're starting right now. Okay, Stacy is a nerd now, and she does math, and she's a math elite, which is a portmanteau of math and athlete, meaning... We already said that. Get, move on, move on, Learning move on. prize. Yep. Um, she is a great athlete, mathlete, and she's in these competitions. There's only a month left in the mathletes' competitions, and she hops in, and she, takes, she steals the scene and becomes the number one mathlete in all of Connecticut. Um... She she regularly does these competitions, uh, but it gets complicated by the fact that her dad, Ed McGill, has recently lost his high-powered job in New York and is constantly visiting and buys a car and is constantly driving up to Stony Brook, and he's a new dad, um, and he's he's making their lives a little chaotic. Um, he buys her tickets to a You For Me show, but uh, she can't go because she has a mathletics competition. B-plot, the babies of Stony Brook are doing their own mathletics fair. And time. Great man, I you think I got me. most of it. You for me was was this weird like, God, it's, Pete is just such a, a gifted what writer. What a talent! What a talent! He's like he's a, just like there's all these complicated threads that are interweaving and playing off one another, and yeah. then he just goes and takes like his B, like his his sub B thread, yeah, and throws in this like complication, this conflict of Ed McGill buying tickets for the. You, you for, me. for me show, which is revisiting the scene of the crime. The last time Stacy tried to go see you for me was with the Crime Girls. It's when she oh, committed right. the crime of a lifetime. Right, adjacency to drinking, and it's fucking, it's fucking brilliant move by Pete because the the you for me concert that Pete throws in ends up being conflicting with the Mathletics final that Stacy has helped to state take the SMS team. The state championships. And so it creates this conflict out of nowhere where Stacy is forced to choose between going to see her favorite band that her dad has got her tickets for or helping the math team get past the post uh, in this uh, obligation that she's already kind of signed and up for. And we know that Stacy's bad at conflict. We know she's bad at Terrible. making decisions under pressure. We know okay. she's particularly bad at, because this is the plot of an entire book, saying no to her dad. Right, and we know that she's incredibly selfish. Right. But what a wonderful move for Pete to set that up and to have... The symbol of you for me, which in the Babysitter's Club, this band stands for Stacy as Crime Girl. 
right? Going to a You For Me concert is evocative it's of the... Forbidden it's forbidden. Fruit. It's forbidden. Um, but I'm not sure. It's it's forbidden, and it's this symbol, this big symbol in the Bright Universe, starring Will Smith and Joel Edgerton. Okay. I'm not certain You For Me has the same power in, in the, the well, dark book. Okay, well, if we're going to talk about the Dark Universe, we have to talk about the Dark Universe. I wasn't ready to talk about it this early, but let's just fucking get into it. Tanner, would you like to explain for the Baby Nation what the darkest timeline is? This is the thing. This is, whether you like it or not, we're in the dark timeline now. We're in the dark timeline now, and here's what it is. Starting at book 100, Christie's worst idea, we have been drawn into an alternate timeline where... Good is bad, bad is good, everyone has evil intentions, everyone's motivations are flip-flopped, Christy only has bad ideas, Stacy is single and a nerd, Yeah. Claudia is in the 7th grade instead of the 8th grade, and there are many, many more examples. Right, so here we are in this alternate universe that begins... What we know is that the bright timeline of the Babysitter's Club ended with book number 99, Stacy's Broken Heart. And then it resets in this mirror universe, which begins in the dark timeline with book 100, Christie's worst idea. Sorry, there's something I missed, and I feel like I should clarify. Yeah. The Bright universe takes place in the same universe as the Netflix original film, Bright, starring Will Smith and Joel Egerton. What you it's hear- about a cop oh, okay. who uh, is kind of like a fantasy world, but it's the modern world as well. And it's about L.A. police officers, one of whom is an orc played by Joel Egerton, and one of whom is a human named Will Smith. I, can I say something? Yes. I don't even mind you talking about Bright, the show, that much. but I, It's an original film. I, okay. Netflix original film. I mind so much you talking about it right in the middle of me saying something so much do i mind that so very i just much. felt like i needed to clarify it because i had said we both had said the bright universe we didn't explain what the bright universe was right and i was doing a good job for clar- of clarifying something for people who might not be caught up and you're doing a bad job of just talking about a will smith movie that nobody wants to watch and you fucking interrupted me to do it can i finish yeah, go. May finish. I? May I? Yeah, finish? I you were going to be so grumpy about it. <laughs> oh, you did it. I thought we were just trying to do I thought we were trying to do good work here. I thought okay. we were going to be thorough. Awesome. There is a mirror universe, Baby Nation, which we have inhabited starting with the novel Christie's Worst Idea, which parallels in a mirror-like way Christie's Great Idea, which is the first book of the Bright Timeline, which has some nebulous thing to do with some fucking Netflix movie. Let's just say it. Okay. Sorry, Will Smith. And- Let me fucking read to you this passage, Tanner, that, yes. that Pete and Anne put in here to fucking show us that we're on the right track with this theory. Okay. The final question of the championship competition between the SMS mathletes starring Stacy McGill and Rick Chow. And their competition is Eastbury versus, versus and- Eastbury. And hit, and their star mathlete George Singh. George Singh, who is, who is rivaled only by Stacy McGill in, in Greater Connecticut as a mathlete. They they go they go into the final competition neck and neck. Neck and neck. In uh, individual points scored. Sixty nine points each. Nice. That was that was one for you, my man. <laughs> the final question that they have to answer at the climax of this. Incredible. Nice. Oh, okay. 
climax. At the apex of this incredible novel, Stacy the Math Whiz, you're gonna not taking whiz. your bait. <laughs> is as follows: They hold up a image with four symbols on it, and the symbols look like. And this is an audio medium, so you're gonna have to bear with me. But what the symbols look like is an M with a line under it, a heart, a heart with, with a, a line, line under, under it. it. Then an eight, what looks like an eight, and then with an M with a line through the middle. And the question is, to win it all, what is the fifth symbol in this sequence? Right. The answer that Stacy McGill alone figures out is that each one of those images is the number one, two, three, four in sequence paired with its mirror. Attached. Attached to it. So, so the, that so that first one, which was an M with a line under it, is actually two ones paired, mirrored, together. and attached. Yeah, and if you think about an eight, that's obviously two threes. Right. And so the fifth mirrored symbol is a five paired with its mirror. Tanner, this is book number five in the dark timeline. Wow. Paired with its mirror book. It sort of looks timeline. like an apple with a helicopter on top of it. Mm-hmm. Or a Fruit butt. Thing. Or a butt with a helicopter yeah. on top of it. <laughs> it looks like a flying butt, let's be honest. <laughs> it looks a little like a flying butt. Yeah. Anyway, Stacy, the math we- wheeze. Whiz. Her brilliance was matched by the like six-year-old Lindsay DeWitt this week, who also figured out the flying butt conundrum. Right. But so we're in the dark um, timeline, Tanner. Dark timeline. And as an aspect of the dark timeline, as we discussed last week, Baby Nation, is that Anne, I suspect, has mm-hmm. forbidden future sight, has forbidden scrying. What was right. the fancy word you had for it? Heruspicating. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and that once again has come up this week. Can I read you a passage? Please. I... M Z famous Madame Math intoned Haley Braddock from behind a black veil. My assistant, the Duke of Digits, shall make words appear magically from numbers. Haley's younger brother, Matt, fished some magnetic letters out of a hat and put them on the Johansson's refrigerator. Zero one one three four, Moomba la Zumba. Haley chanted. Matt turned around the numbers so that they look like this: H E L L O. Do you remember the last time Haley Braddock took on the visage? Hmm. Madame. She wasn't called Madame Math last it was time. Something. She was called Madame Leveau. Leveau, I remember, yeah. I can't remember the book title, but I do remember She was a fortune teller. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She could prognosticate. She could see. She could look into your future. She could scry. She could scry. She could harass me. And now, notably, this week, there is no Madame Leveau. Madame Leveau is dead. Instead, there is Madame Math and the Duke of Digits and the Countess Countworthy. Right. Which is what... um, Charlotte Johansson is called. Who live in a world of numbers and logic. A world without magic. A world without magic and a world without scrying. Yeah. Just more fuel for the fire. She's Anne and Peter just clamping down. 
They're clamping no, down yes, on it. Absolutely. Shit. Yeah. They want complete control over this. They've they've finally done it, you know? Yeah. They've brought all of these characters into the dark universe. Right. They had to make the ultimate sacrifice. None of these characters can be happy now. Stacy is right. not allowed to be cool. She has to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. Claudia is not allowed to be in the eighth grade. She has to be in seventh grade. Right. Chrissy is not allowed to have good ideas. She has to have bad ideas. But it was all worth it. Right. For Anne. For Anne and Pete so they could take control back. And I assume you're listening. I hope you're happy, Anne. I hope you're happy with what you've done to these women. Um, you're happy, Anne. They're, they're, not, they're not happy, but at least they're ordered. At least they're not going to get out of line. Right? At least they're not going to try to change their future, Anne. Ring, ring. Did you hear that? Yeah, it sounded like a phone ringing. Ring, ring. I don't know. There's nothing. I feel like these mics are supposed to only just pick up. Ring, ring. Like what I'm saying. I think it's coming on your side. There's a phone? Okay. I hear the the ringing coming from your side, from your connection. Okay. Maybe. Hello? 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 Uh Uh-oh. Hello? 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 Hello. Sorry. Mm. Hello. Uh, uh, hello. This is uh, Goliath Art Body. I was hoping to. Who am I speaking to? Oh, Goliath. Uh, this is uh, Mark. Mark, Mr. Markson. M- Mr. Markson, to you, sir. Great. Uh, if Mark, you will. you're still roommates with Dave <clears throat> Davison, yeah? Yeah, we live together. Rich is here too. If you'd like to speak with him, Rich Richson. Richson. Yeah. yeah, he was the CAO of Cinertech. Uh, Great guy. Love mm-hmm. him. Yeah. One of my greatest, uh, one of my best friends and one of my closest allies. My roommate. And your roommate. We recently put... went to Hawaii together. Oh, that sounds romantic. <laughs> the three of us. It was a blast. Well, now I feel a little left out, frankly. <laughs> it was tough to scrape together the funds after your uh, 75% of our salary rule. Listen, Mark, I was going to actually ask Dave about this, but now okay. that I have you on the phone, I think I'm going to talk to you instead. Okay. Uh, you love to travel, huh? Oh, I sure do. You love to, to get away from it all and just spread out and, and really see the world. Yep, and with Tripping.com, that's nope. nice. Nope. <laughs> Not what's happening here. Oh, okay, yep. I have a question for you. Mm. Have you ever wanted to really see the world, Mark? Yeah. Like... All at once. Yeah. Like, if you and I got on a spaceship and uh, flew to Neptune together, and you could look at that porthole window on the spaceship and really see the world, Mark. It's, is this about Does that work? energize you? Does that make you... It's, I, it's sort of about work. It's not about Cinertech, and it's not about... Um, What's the other company we have? Goliath Industries. Yeah, it's it's named after you yeah. by by you. I'm launching a new company. It's called Space Goliath. <laughs> and what we do at Space Goliath, as you know, I am a mogul. Yeah, I am a millionaire, are. eccentric billionaire. I'm always doing crazy stuff, and I'm very active on Twitter. <laughs> Bros on Reddit admire me. Mm. I launched a. Uh, a program that lets you pay for things easily on eBay. Made a lot of money off of it. Now I'm launching a space company. Okay. That sounds great. We, but you're still going to pay attention to um, Goliath Industries, right? A lot of, those, a lot of babies not. need to get set. Listen, I'm launching a spaceship to Neptune. Okay. I want you on that spaceship with me, Mark. Okay. 
I am looking to fill a role, and that role is Chief Executive for Shelter, Communications, and Hunger Prevention on my Space Goliath mission to Neptune. Well, may I talk to you about title? Uh, I just pitched you a title. Did you not love it? or? Well, I like it, but I, I just know that, that a lot of people who have had that title in other um, corporations are also VPs. You want to be... So, sorry... You want to be both chief executive for shelter communications and hunger prevention. Yeah. And VP of Space Goliath. Yeah, it's, it's just so usually, a, I mean, you know, I went to business school. That's usually a VP level. Uh, I tell you what, yeah. you have a phone in your room? Yeah, I got a phone in my room. Done. How Done do you think deal. I'm talking to you? Done deal. <laughs> All right. I'm Can on you board. Tutor children? <laughs> uh, sure. Great. <gasps> Scene. Oh, oh my god <clears throat> that happens in this book that exact conversation except it happens um between Chrissy? claudia and um stacy claudia has a new title baby nation this week chief executive c-e-s-c-h-p oh god what a good fucking title that is yeah glad we got that out of the way glad we limbered up our voices with the, the deep voice <clears throat> boys yeah i would love to take a very brief bake a very brief break. You know what sucks is because this is your edit, you're going to just cut out your flub when you said, I'd like to take a beef break. Beef bake. <laughs> a, I'd like to take a beef bake, he said. I'm going to go grab a beer. I'm going to go <laughs> take a wheeze. Okay. okay. And I'm, I will see you, you and Baby Nation again very shortly. Tanner. Jackie. Welcome back. Thank you for welcoming me back. Did you notice in this novel this week that Stacy finally talks about her aesthetic philosophy? <laughs> um, uh-huh. What do you mean? Uh-huh. I, I noticed. You want me I to thought, read it to you? I thought it was so good. Well, we've been fucking waiting for it forever. You don't need to read it to me, obviously, because I noticed and I thought it was so good. But do do read it to Baby Nation in case they didn't read the book this week. You know what it made me think of? Have you read, and you, you can be forgiven if you haven't, because he's, at this point he's kind of obscure as a philosopher, but have you read F.H. Bradley's Appearance in Reality? Definitely. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. But just just in case anyone in Baby Nation hasn't, just do a quick recap. Well, I think in some ways it's a work of philosophers who are listening, please forgive me, because I don't know that much about it, but it has some... Uh, it, it's kind of a phenomenological tract right. in a lot of ways. I agree. Um, the The main argument, as I understand it, is, is... Uh, that most things are appearances. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yep. 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 Uh, and and that those those appearances appearances are, are false. Well, it's sort of a way to describe reality. Right? Yes, exactly. No, right. Um, and th- there is like an absolute reality, which is, I don't know, I feel like that was the mode at the time, um, is that there's a sort of like this unreachable absolute reality that you have this sort of veil of appearances over which, which is like the, the, the lens through which we kind of view the world. It was hugely influential on Bertrand Russell. The reason I'm interested in F.H. Bradley is because um, T.S. Eliot wrote his doctoral thesis on him. Um, anyway, Stacy's got one here too, uh, which is Stacy's philosophy of appearance, right? Which is obviously a direct allusion to F. H. Bradley's 
appearance and reality. This veil of illusion we apply over ourselves every day. Here's what she says, and let's fucking talk it out, man. She's she's laid out an entire philosophy of appearance. It's two major rules. Rule number one. If you, Here's what she says. I, was, I don't know. I was hoping we could tease it apart together. If you feel confident on the inside, you look great on the outside, no matter mm. what you wear. Yes. If you feel confident on the inside, you look great on the outside. So we're thinking, she, has, she has two rules? Yeah. Let's this get through them both, and then I have, I, have a, I have a thought. Okay. So that's rule one. If you feel confident on the inside, you look great on the outside, no matter what you wear. So the way you look to other people is part of her philosophy of appearance, right? It's so it's 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 not an objective appearance, it's the appearance sort of through the eyes of other people. It's sort of a phenomenological expression. Right. What the experience is for someone else of seeing how you appear and whether that's great or not. So let's that's rule number 1. Rule number 2. If you can't be confident all the time, wear cool clothes. That's it. That's it. That's the second rule in this philosophy of appearance. I think this is pretty rich. Yeah. Both of these rules are pretty rich coming from a nerd. A yeah, big athlete nerd. Fucking nerd this week. Who yeah. lives in a state of deep insecurity because she's worried about how much of a fucking nerd she is. Yeah. And Stacy, I'm here to confirm, huge fucking nerd. Huge nerd. The mathletes? Yeah. <laughs> Humiliating. <laughs> oh, Stacy, what uh, happened? Stacey. Remember when you remember back when you were fucking cool and hung out with those crime girls and did did wine back in did the wine drinking? Did wine in the fucking back of the U for Me concert? Dated boys? Dated cool boys? Cool boys? Actually, he kind of ended up being a little bit of a dingleberry. But... Brew doggy? Yeah, he wasn't yeah. great for you, Stacy. We were right to kick him to the curb. You're a nerd now. You don't like. She doesn't need a. What was the thing? Aesthetic. A philosophy, philosophy? of appearance. Yeah. Ph- you don't need a philosophy of appearance. Yeah. Welcome. To, welcome to being a nerd, where you can just do whatever the fuck you want because you do no, what you want. Because because you have no self esteem and no one cares about you. Yeah, Stacy. Here's my philosophy of appearance for you now. You don't need to feel confident on the inside, and you don't need to wear cool clothes because you're a nerd. Just take it from me and Jack. Jack literally wears a t-shirt and jorts every single day. Yeah. But regardless I the, of the weather. I cut the jorts myself. <laughs> he cuts the jorts himself. Yeah. I wear one of four pair of jeans, the same gray sweater, and a button-down shirt every single day. Neither of us looks cool. Well. You know what we would look like, Stacy? Nerds. Hmm. Just like you. But we got it done. Stacy? Definitely. Tanner, let's keep lo- talking about this novel. Okay. There's a new prank king. Jack, we're in the dark timeline. There's a new prank king in the dark Sorry. timeline. Holy this hell. Is, this is technically a segment. Yeah. It's just beyond this door. What is? My playroom. Like your Xbox and stuff? It's important that you know you can leave at any time. Why? What's in there? Alan Gray will see you now. Come into my weird room. <laughs> <laughs> Come into my weird room. <laughs> it's what the darkest timeline. Yeah. Alan Gray is no longer the prank king. No. Alan Gray in the in the bright timeline. Starring Will Smith and Joel Egerton. 
Alan Gray is the king of pranks at Stony Brook Middle School, but in the dark timeline where we all live, whether we fucking like it or not, baby nation, there's a new prank king. Tanner, would you like to read the passage? I slapped my textbook shut and stood up from my seat. Kids were chatting away. Mr. Zismore was examining a note on a small pink slip. Stacy? He called out. Ms. Hartley would like to see you in room 208 after school. Ms. Hartley is the chairperson of the Stony Brook Middle School math department. Why did she want to see me? I had no idea. Ooh, bad girl, murmured Irv Hirsch, the <laughs> stupid prank king of SMS who just happens to sit behind me. <laughs> Irv Hirsch. Who is Irv Hirsch? Peter Red just cannot resist introducing a new character. Yeah, no, like... It's Tabula Rasa. Yeah. Right? Anne's like, Pete, good news, bud. Yeah. Book five, blank slate. I know you've got a, a deep, deep roster over there. God, who knows what the back history of Irv Hirsch is? Ir- Irving Hirsch. The Irving Hirsch of the Hirsch family. It's very Pete Larangis to introduce a dynamic new character. It's not just somebody in the class who's... Making fun of Stacy. It's right. the new prank king. Stupid prank king. Stupid prank king of SMS. What? What's Alan Gray this week? Like he's like the fucking valedictorian, right? In the dark timeline, apparently. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? He's sitting there in his weird room. Oh yeah, he's sitting in his weird room with his Xbox and stuff. Doing kinky sex, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> well, I don't know. If you've got an Xbox in there, you're probably playing that Xbox. No, probably right? not. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Not doing kinky sex. Yeah. Doing Xbox. Put me in a weird room with an Xbox. I'm going to play the Xbox. Put me in coach. I have Tanner this week on Irv Hirsch. Mm. A. Mm. Should we do it again? <laughs> no, I like him sleeping. He's just sleeping behind me peacefully like a sweet little boy. My, I have one, too. It's not on Irv Hirsch, though. I'm very curious. Irv Hirsch. What a talent this guy is. The pr- stupid prank king of SMS. Ooh, bad girl, murmured Irv Hirsch. The stupid prank king of SMS who just happens to sit behind me. First Mine we've heard of it, Pete. Yep, that's, it's called continuity. Baby Nation, it's called continuity. Look it up. <laughs> look at just fucking look it up. <laughs> I ignored him. As I lifted the books off my desk, a sheet of my work in progress fell out. Stacy has been running a tutorial, a yeah. tutor's manual for third grade guide to math. Third grade guide to math. Stacy got way better at math in this book. Than she has been in any other novel. She's always, for for the entire run of this series of books, she's yeah. been good at math. Yeah. But, but she's like, suddenly become way good at the math. The extent of it is that they're like, Stacy's the treasurer because she's good at basic addition. And this book right. is like fucking beautiful mind. No, it's yeah, like, yeah. There's a scene in this book where they they like put like an, an unsolved, like Fermat's last theorem on a chalkboard. Right. And then walk away, and Stacy comes in and like fucking solves it, and then she's like the janitor, yeah, at Harvard, yeah. <laughs> she's real good at math. She was like, I didn't see the big deal. 
Eh, eh, oh, I don't know. Oh, that's his last theorem, huh? He must have been running out of theorems. <laughs> <laughs> this one was easy. <laughs> I ignored him. As I lifted the books off my desk, a sheet of my work in progress fell out. I tried to grab it, but Irv beat me to it. Attention, ladies and gentlemen. I need. To, I gotta get this right because this is a new character. He's kind gotta, of obnoxious. Okay. Little Weasley, but, so, but like, but cool. Not oh, cool. No, not nerdy Weasley, but like, think like Roger Klotz. So you want nasal? But I don't know what that is. You want nasal but cool from Doug, idiot. I don't know what that is. I'm not from that generation. You're from that generation, no. Doug. No, you're only five years older than me. Was that the drawing one? Sorry, it was. It was animated. It was like drawing. <laughs> Yes, it was animated. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I didn't watch it. Okay. All right. Kind of a uh, uh, nasally but tough. Nasally but tough. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. What's a cool thing to say? Because um, I, I can use that. I'll do a nasal voice, but I'll say that cool thing to get me into the character. What's a cool thing to say? Come on. You can do this. Uh, I'm putting you in, coach. You keep saying, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Uh, This is it. It's a world series. I love to smoke drugs and do 69ing with people. Okay, you don't have to say it in the voice. I'm going to say it in the voice. Okay, sorry. So what's a cool thing to say? I just said it. That I I love to smoke drugs and do 69ing with people. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that cool. Can you imagine if someone came up to you in a bar and said that to you? I'd be I would like, be holy blown shit! Away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd be blown away. All right, I'm gonna say that cool, and then I'm gonna say that cool nasal, and then that's our. Do character. it kind of flippant though. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I like to do drugs in 69 people. All right, let me. Okay, is it cool if I take a run up at it without the without adding the nasal voice? Because that's too much. Take one run up at it without the nasal voice, but then okay. just to, just to capture the mood. Yeah, but then I really need you to take a run at with the nasal. Okay, can you can you help me? Can you be? Can we like we'll be in a bar and I want? Can you throw some background in that's like? Yep. Cocktail party or like bar bar background? Okay, it's happening now. It's the coolest bar in New York, and you you're just I'm here at the bar. You're here. You're there at the bar. And uh, I'm like chatting with someone. I'm let's not say like at you. You don't have my attention. Let's say all right. So what I want is I like I nudge you. And then you turn to face me, and you say, "Excuse I me." Turn sir? to face you, and I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not put off. Yeah. I'm intrigued by yeah. what I see. All right. Okay. Go. Say something. Okay. I nudge you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, I love to do drugs and uh, sixty-nine people. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have drugs now? Sorry, you're not cool enough for me. Okay. Good. I feel like I've got the guy. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. God, someone did that to me? Yeah. <sighs> okay. I like. I would pursue that person regardless of gender or sexual orientation. To the ends of the earth. I just like. I wouldn't. I like. I just want to be around that person. Are you kidding me? Okay. Now they we're come gonna... to me. They say I like. I like to do drugs in 69 people. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then I'm like, explain. And you're just like, sorry, not cool enough. Sorry. Like, what? Yeah. No, if you have to ask, right? Okay. All right, now I'm going to add nasal to it and then we're going to then we're going to take it into this character. Single baby bees out there? Yeah. If you are looking for a good approach line. And we've given you advice in the past. 
that I think has worked for a lot of people. It works for a lot of people. Yeah. If you're looking for a good approach line, go up to someone yeah. at the bar and just tell them, look them straight in the eyes with all the confidence you can muster. Yeah. And just say, hey, just wanted to let you know I do drugs and like to do 69 with people. Yeah. And if they follow up at all, yeah. maintain eye contact and say, sorry. Sorry. You're not cool enough. Not cool enough. Turn your back and walk away. Okay. Let me add nasal, and then we're going to go into this bird of the week. Okay. Um, okay. All right. I'm, we're at the bar. Same bar. Same bar. Give me cool the nasal. Cool nasal. Cool nasal. Okay. Same bar. I bump yep. into you. Turn to me. Oh, sorry. Um, I love to do drugs. and. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. 69. You sound like a creep. <laughs> You sound like a creep. I'm not interested. Uh, sorry, not interested. Okay, let me try one more run at it. <laughs> okay. All right, same bar. I bump yeah. into you. No, uh, sorry. I bump into you. Give me, a, give me a say. Who are you? Who am I? I'm Tanner. Ask Kruger. me. Ask me a question. Ask me. Okay, okay. Sorry. Engage uh, with me. Oh, uh, sorry. And it's you. What's um? What's your name? My name doesn't matter. I love to do drugs and sixty nine with people. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I'm repulsed, but <laughs> also a little, like, titillated? Sorry, you're not cool enough for me. <laughs> okay, no, with that... Very titillated. <laughs> All right, I think we've got our character. Now let's get back into my burning away, okay? Uh-huh. I ignored him. As I lifted the books off my desk, a sheet of my work in progress fell out. I tried to grab it, but Irv beat me to it. Attention, ladies and gentlemen. He said, oh, fuck, fuck, he said with a mock English accent. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take it from square one. I ignored him. As I lifted the books off my desk, a sheet of my work in progress fell out. I tried to grab it, but Herb beat me to it. Attention, ladies and gentlemen, he said with a mock English accent. The Knights of this class genius, I quote, subtraction of three-digit numbers, those with numeral values in the hundreds, tens, and ones columns, must be arranged with the subtrahend below the minuend, and answered from right to left. Whoa. When did we learn this? I snatched the sheet away. In third grade? Maybe you were absent that day. Bird of the week. That was such a long. <laughs> I captured one that I just captured as good, clean burn. Okay, let's hear it. The whole family rushed in. Everyone wanted to talk about the mathletes meetup. Lindsay told us she wants to be like you when she grows up. Franklin Dewitt announced. You set a great example, Mrs. Dewitt chimed in. She turned to Claudia. Having a terrific tutor doesn't hurt either. How did you know all that stuff, Stacy? Buddy asked. I couldn't answer any of those problems. She has a brain, Lindsay said, unlike you. (laughs) (laughs) Boom! Just crisp. Crisp? You know, there's a lot of burns in this book, but that one is just crisp. I saw that as being Pete, just doing what he does best. Just the, the pulp nymph. The pulp nymph himself. Dancing across this page. Delicate feet. Dancing across the page. Well, if you want to talk about Pete. I want to talk about Pete right now. Pete Larangis Baby Nation is a is a ghostwriter. He's the wizard behind the curtain of these amazing fucking novels. Particularly what he did this week was 
astonishing. We've talked about the symphonic structure of the novel, but what we haven't talked about is the moment wherein Tanner and I realized that Pete himself was the man who was pulling all the strings this week, whose beautiful, sweet-smelling, effervescent feet were dancing across the page. Tanner, is there something you'd like to say? All the Pete Larangers, 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 put your hands up. Oh, man's. Oh, man's. Very good. Thank you, Baby Beef Patrick at Patrick Locktelt. There's a, there's a, a sneaky T on the end of your last <laughs> name there, Patrick, at Patrick Locktelt on Twitter. Tanner, what was your Larangus moment this week? So, my teacher's handing back my social studies test, and I can see this big red word written across the top, Claudia Kishi said, emerging from her closet. In her right hand was a bag of cheese doodles, in her left a box of peanut M&Ms. Healthy or non-healthy? That's three words said Christy Thomas. I'm asking which snack you want, Claudia retorted. Which one are you calling healthy? Jesse Ramsey asked. This has cheese, Claudia said, holding out the doodles. Actually, the M&Ms have peanuts, so I guess they both qualify? (laughs) Claudia Kishi, nutrition expert, Abby remarked. (laughs) Fucking Claudia. Claudia, you're gonna die. (laughs) <laughs> Claudia, you're going to die someday, and it's going to be sooner than most people because you eat so poorly. <laughs> Go, vegan baby nation. <laughs> you just couldn't resist, could you? <laughs> try vegan. Try vegan. Baby nation. I'm not <laughs> vegan, but go ahead and try it. I don't care. Let me hear yours. All right. Uh, it's very, very early on, and it is a little bit of humor that stems from the fact that Abby always has allergies. Yes, known. That is known. It's known that she always has allergies. Stacy is talking to Abby about the fact that she has been called to uh, Miss Hartley's office. Uh, who, Miss Hartley is in charge of the mathletes team, uh, and she doesn't know what it's all about. It's very exciting. <laughs> Walk with B to buy locker? Abby asked. Not today, I replied. I'm supposed to see Miss Hartley after school. Is she giving you some kind of bath award? I shrugged. Bath award? For some reason, all I could think about was a bronze statuette in the shape of a rubber ducky. <laughs> Good. It's his Pete, little touches, you fucking Pete. pulp nymph. You fucking pulp nymph. You're you always know, dancing across that page. I want to read you one more passage before we leave. <laughs> okay. Stacy is leaving for her first mathletics competition. The following thing happens. The following exchange happens between Stacy and her mom. Maureen. Do you, her mom, Maury, do you have a packet of honey? Mom asked, pushing open the front door of Stony Brook Day School. Yes, mom, I replied. Did you eat enough lunch? Yes, mom. Did you finish studying that review sheet Miss Hartley gave you? Yes, mom. I don't know why I'm so nervous. You should be the one who's nervous. Are you nervous? Says Maureen. Tanner, do you have a packet of honey? That is something that only a bee mother would say. (laughs) Now. (laughs) Right? When has your mom said that to you? That's not a 
thing that a non-bee mother would say? I don't want to disagree with you because I love the space you're playing in, but I'm pretty sure it's a diabetes thing. (laughs) (laughs) Diabetes? Tanner? Just go. Should we get the fuck out of here? Yes. (laughs) Tanner, let's get the fuck out of here. Tanner, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Thank you for sharing this with me. Glad we got in and out of here quick enough for you to go join your baby and wife for whatever dumb thing you were doing. My baby, my, no, my wife is going to a movie. My baby and I are gonna. Oh, you're you're big papa in charge tonight. We're gonna hang the fuck out. No, no rules tonight. No rules, just right. Yeah. we could keep recording for another hour then. Yeah, we just can do get whatever. Cyril in here. Let's just leave the child. Well, the crying will probably pick just up. Just get him in here. Okay. Baby Nation extended episode tonight. Yeah, this is just me and Cyril and old. Uncle Tanner. Tanner! Uncle Tanner. Uncle Tanner, thank you for being here with me this week. My pleasure. Thank you for sharing this experience with me. Baby Nation, thank you for bearing with us. And thank you for your many wonderful reviews and ratings on iTunes. Thank you for sharing this episode or any other with someone who you think would appreciate it. This week, Baby Nation, we read a book that was called Stacy the Math Whiz. 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 Next week, we're going to be reading a book called Claudia, Queen of the Seventh Grade. Yas. Yas. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. I am as well. Thank you. This week, I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. This week... If you haven't already, do us a favor and round off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator, and demand your right to bear time, and do not forget to let Daddy love you as much as I do. If you are a sovereign citizen, you are not being detained. Am I free to go? You're free to go. Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. think tell me this can i ask okay. you a question please how insulted mm-hmm. would you be and mm-hmm. i know this is a great way to start a question yep if i nominated you for the next season of queer eye <laughs> i just think those dudes could come and just transform you into a beautiful swan i would give anything to meet and hang out with those wonderful dudes but i don't think i need to be changed I don't necessarily think you need to be changed either. What I secretly want is for this to happen to me, but I don't yeah. think you can nominate yourself. So what I'm, what my thinking is, is I'll just nominate my best friend. You got to nominate me. All right, I'm interested, but we have to, we have to figure out like a tragic backstory for me. Okay. Um. Let's see. Snatched from his home country. True. Um. Forced to grow up living a lie. Mm-hmm. And taking on this accent that is not his natural accent. I think maybe let's this, see. These are all true things, but what about let's just focus in. Cuts off his own jorts. Yeah. Every few months has five pairs of the exact same 
black jorts cut to the same length. Right. Alternates between five identical pair of jeans and five identical pair of jorts. <laughs> and like a, a sign wave. Yeah, they're going to send in like the special victims unit for Queer Eye. <laughs> oh, I want it so badly for both of us. Do you think I want, they would do a joint want, Queer Eye? I like the idea of Queer Eye SVU. <laughs> All right, good. Okay, so Stacy's philosophy of appearance, it's, I mean, F.H. Bradley's out of fashion. Sorry, uh, Baby Nation, um, Queer Eye is a show on, it's a Netflix original series uh, yeah. in which five gay men go and visit either a gay man or a straight man and make him over in their gay image. And Baby Nation, F.H. Bradley is in this line of philosophy that eventually leads to logical positivism, but the part of his philosophy that I'm interested in is the, the, the part of it that relates to phenomenology and is more continental philosophy rather than analytical philosophy. My favorite queer eye is Jonathan. I like the, um, I like the funny one. Which one? They're all funny. He's like super funny. Hair? Yeah. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was a headgum podcast. <laughs>